John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life brought life to everyone. two sets of Christmas stories in the Bible. One set of Christmas stories is from the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. The other is from the Gospel of John. The first set of Christmas stories are more familiar to us. Uh, We can see those stories. We can visualize those stories. We can imagine those stories with characters like Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger and then the, the sheep and the shepherds and the angels and the angel choirs and the three wise men and their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. But the second Christmas story comes from the Gospel of John And we cannot see or visualize or draw John's Christmas story quite as easily. Painters have never been able to paint paintings about John's Christmas story. John's Christmas story is abstract and kind of philosophical. Normally during the Christmas season, we focus on this Christmas story from the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. And we're going to get to that today. But today I want to take a couple minutes as we get started to focus on the Christmas story from the Gospel of John. The very first verse of the Gospel of John says, in the beginning was the Word. The Greek word for uh, word, the Greek word for word is logos, where we get the word logic. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. can be translated, in the beginning was the logos, or logic. And the logic was with God, and the logic was God. The logic was with God. John is making a distinction between the logic and God. So he's saying the logic was with God. But in the next sentence, he says the logic was God. So it's kind of like, John, will you make up your mind here? Is the logic with God or is the logic God? John is laying the groundwork for the preexistence of Christ, that Christ was with God before the creation of the universe, that Christ was the divine intelligence behind the creation of the universe. Before there was any creation, before there was matter, before there was light and life, obviously there had to be a set of brains somewhere. That's the way it always is. You have to have brains to lay out a plan. There had to be some logic to it. In the beginning was the logic, and the logic was with God, and the logic was God. The mind was God. The intelligence was God. The brilliance was God. What the Bible is saying is that before something was created, there has to be a mastermind behind it. And from this logic, all light and life was created. 
Too many people think that Jesus was simply a man who walked on earth, or Jesus is my Savior, or Jesus is a little baby in a manger. You've all seen that depiction of Jesus. You know the one where, uh, where Jesus has, first of all, he's light-skinned, and he has long, flowing brown hair and light blue eyes. I call it Fabio Jesus. I think we might have a picture. I'll put that up for you. When I look at this picture, I see a Jesus who is probably kind and soft-spoken, but this Jesus is definitely too small. We forget that Jesus of the Bible is the same Jesus who existed before creation. The Bible teaches that before the world began, Jesus was the logic of God, the mind of God, the brilliance of God. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians, he illustrates that Jesus existed before the universe began, and Jesus was the creator of the universe. Colossians 1 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things are created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. He's before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And then John says in verse 14 that the Word, the logic, became flesh. The brilliant logical mind of the universe became flesh, became a human being. The message of the Christmas story is that the God who created the universe became a human being, a real, authentic, living human being. Why is this so important? The Bible is saying that the master intelligence behind the universe did not stay in the safety of heaven, that God did not remain in heaven far away from the evil and suffering of earth, that God didn't live in some kind of like eternal suburb safe from it all. God didn't live away from the rough and tumble of the world, but Jesus came to this earth to experience life like we do. Jesus suffered and died on the cross, and his suffering and his death were real, true, authentic, the real deal. And this doctrine that Jesus, or that God became flesh, is one of the central doctrines of the Christian faith. It's called the incarnation, incarnal, in the flesh. John continues his account in verse 14. He says, we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. God in the flesh was full of grace. Focus on that word grace for a minute. The word in Greek, the word for grace always means gift. It means full of gracious love, which is given as a gift. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. You don't even deserve it. It's a gift, a gift like at Christmas time, all those gifts under your Christmas tree. Our whole Christmas season is permeated with the word gift and giving, and Christmas is permeated with the joy of giving a gift, the right gift to someone. And so Jesus is full of giving, and we can understand that. We can get our mind around that. But Jesus is also full of truth. Now, when you and I think of the opposite of truth, we think of a lie. We think of a falsehood, that that's the opposite of truth. But in the Greek language, the contrast isn't between truth and lie, but between real and unreal. In Greek, true means real in contrast to illusion. It's a contrast between authentic and inauthentic, between genuine and false, between real and unreal. Jesus was filled with the reality of God. Jesus was a true, authentic, genuine human being, and he was God in the flesh, not a pretender at his humanity. 
Then comes one of the most beautiful lines in the Bible in verse 16. It says, out of his fullness, we've received grace in place of grace already given. John's gospel is so clear that all of us have received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And the Christmas gospel is that God showers his gracious love on all of us. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there were no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The angel said to them, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. The words Savior and Liberator come from the same Greek word, but the words have different meanings and connotations in English. The word Savior implies the forgiveness of sins. God cancels our sin. God covers our sin. God lets go of our sins. God erases our sins, and we need God's forgiveness for all of our lives. We cannot escape the sinful disposition that we all have, so we need to experience forgiveness throughout our whole lives. Now, the word liberation has a different feel to it than the word savior. The word liberation implies more than forgiveness. Liberation implies positive, actual change in us and for us. Let's talk about Jesus the Liberator and how the power of God's love brings positive change in us. At Christmas time, we think about and we talk about and we focus on that baby in the manger, baby Jesus. And, and that, that's certainly fine. But let's not forget that this baby in the manger came to earth for a reason. This sweet little Jesus grew up and became a man. And we want to picture this sweet little baby Jesus lying in a perfect manger scene with all the animals organized in a pageant-style arrangement with perfect lighting and soft music playing. But this same Jesus died on a Roman cross. This sweet little baby Jesus boy did not remain a baby. He grew up into maturity and he became a rabbi and he taught his followers 
radical, upside-down things in like the Beatitudes where he taught, love your enemies, pray for those who harm you, and care for those who hurt you. This sweet little baby Jesus did not remain a small boy, but he grew up to become a liberator. Matter of fact, the greatest liberator the world has ever known. And his spirit has brought revolutionary changes, yes, heart-level transformation in people's lives. So Jesus does not remain a baby or a little boy, but comes to us as the greatest liberator of all time, and he comes to set us free. Jesus comes to liberate us from our selfishness. That's where I, I need to be the center of all that happens and where I want others to wait on me and care for me. You know, the most important person in the world, that selfishness uh, thing. Jesus comes to liberate us from all of that, that selfishness that enslaves us to our own whims and desires and appetites and egos. Jesus comes to liberate us from our painful past, to set us free from all the mistakes we have made. I mean, mistakes in life, mistakes in general, mistakes with the kids, mistakes with the spouse, mistakes with the job, mistakes with coworkers or friends. Jesus comes to actually set us free from our uncountable mistakes. Jesus comes to liberate us from our fears, the fear of death, the fear of failure, the fear of growing old, the fear that there is no God, the fear that your children won't turn out the way you want, hey, the fear of rejection, the fear of abandonment. Hey, what about the fear of the unknown? Jesus comes to liberate us, hear this, to heal us and to change us from the inside out. Jesus comes to liberate us, not only from our fear, but also from our anger. Our sharp tongues, our putting other people down, our need for revenge, whatever that might look like. Christ the liberator comes to free us from all of that and more. This, my friends, is a celebration of joy and happiness and good news because liberation always vibrates with joy and forgiveness and good news. Whenever Christ comes into our lives and frees us from all this stuff that stifles us and cripples us and corrupts us, it is indeed good news and great joy. So we are happy. We're exhilarated, thrilled, overwhelmed by joy because we have experienced true freedom and transformation in our lives forever. And so the angel said, I bring you good news ah, that will cause you great joy and it's for all the people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior, a Liberator, has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
Be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. We all know that Christmas is about peace. Ever since we were children and we were brought to church on Christmas Eve, we were taught that this was about the birth of the Prince of Peace. So we come to hear those words of peace from Isaiah the prophet, that our God in the person of Jesus is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And he says, of the greatness of his government and of his peace, there shall be no end. That peace will be established with justice and righteousness, and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will do this. So we know that Christmas is about peace. But then somehow we've let Christmas become such a stressful time. You know what I'm talking about with the shopping and the cooking and the parties and the family gatherings and the money and the money, man. And did I mention shopping and, you know, how, how challenging has all that been this year? And we sing our Christmas carols about peace and we come to listen to our Christmas prophecies about peace. And we all know that Christmas is about peace. But sometimes it all seems to be like a big farce, like a mockery. There's so much hurt in the world. There's so much harming of one another. There's so much relational dysfunction. There's so much anger and angst. There's so much suspicion of one another. And there is so little peace. Peace seems to be but an echo from the distant past. Longfellow wrote, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. In despair I bowed my, he my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, but hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. So is there something wrong 
with us human beings? Is there some fundamental flaw to our human nature? I mean, what is wrong with us that we make weapons capable of destroying millions of people? Like, what is wrong with us? What is wrong with a husband and a wife who can hurt each other so deeply? What is, what is wrong with us that a mother and a father can actually abuse their own child? What is wrong? Like, why is peace so hard for us to learn and to practice? You know, because we are so deeply flawed and because we are people who hurt and harm one another, God sent his son, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And Jesus says, I've come to bring you peace, to teach you to walk in the paths of peace. And that's all great, but where does that begin? Well, where does this peace on earth always begin? It begins here with me. It begins with you. When the Prince of Peace finally comes to live in us, And if the Prince of Peace doesn't live in me, then where is that peace going to come from? It certainly doesn't come from within me apart from him. And when the peace of the Prince of Peace comes and he lives within us, when the goodness of Jesus Christ lives in us, the Bible says, they know me, they shall know me on my holy mountain. And when all people know me, they shall not hurt or harm or injure one another. So here's the thing. The, the, The peace of Christ has to do with those people in whom the Prince of Peace comes to dwell. So I quoted Longfellow. Remember what he wrote? He said, In despair I bowed my head. There's no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. But then he continues. There's more. He doesn't leave us on a note of despair. He says, Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. When we were little, we were taught that Christmas was the day that we remembered the birth of the Prince of Peace. And that's right, but there's so much more. The more that we do life, the more that we understand more clearly our need for the Prince of Peace to live within us, the angel said he came to us and for us. But today... And Christmas Eve, people are being drawn to houses of worship all over the world. And I'm wondering why you've come. Why are you drawn here? How have you, uh, have you come because your world has kind of become dark? Maybe you feel this darkness around you and within you. Have you come because you feel the numbness of depression, that you feel really drawn to the darkness rather than the light? Is that why you're here? Some of you have come because you want to hear the good news that in Jesus Christ there is light and in Christ there is no darkness at all. You've come to hear once again that the eternal light is much stronger than the darkness. You've come because you want to be filled with light and led by the light of Christ that's within you. And some of you have come because maybe you've lost the faith that you once had when you were much younger, even a child. And a long time ago, you loved God and you felt God's presence in you and you were at peace with God and you felt right about God. But since that time, maybe since that time, you've lost the sense of the presence of God within and there's an emptiness deep inside and you've come asking, how could God be alive in me again? The bottom line is we've all come to hear the good news that, there, that at one magnificent moment in history, God became a human, that God became one of us 
It means that God knows everything about the human experience. He knows what it's like to cry alone at night. He knows what it is to love someone deeply and then to lose them. He knows our feelings of fear, our feelings of failure, our feelings of elation, our feelings of sheer joy and ecstasy because God is like us, because God became one of us. And I think Jesus, the Son of God, wants to say one simple thing to us today. Listen. The Lord says to you, I love you. You are mine. I want to live in you. I want to fill your heart with my love. And I want you to live in my peace. Why? Because I love you. And may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One star burns in the darkness, shines with a promise, Emmanuel. One child born in the stillness, living.
Let there be peace. Let it start in.